This is Maya, aka DJ Ditch Bitch, and you're listening to UCLA Radio. Welcome to Crushing. Hi, Malls. Hi, Maya. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good in the middle of midterms right now. Um, welcome to episode four of Crushing. Um, just so you guys know, Malls has been my mentor and director at With It Girl where I had the awesome opportunity to publish some writing that I was really passionate about. Um, and I've been super stoked to be a part of the organization. Um, but Malls herself is an avid surfer and she also did her PhD um, on the human relationship with water, which is really incredible. Um, so Malls, do you wanna just kick it off and tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, thanks, Maya. It's really been a great opportunity to have you at With It Girl and um, to have to be in dialogue with you. And I'm really honored to be on your podcast. And um, so um, I guess I would like to start probably with, um, you know, surfing and um, being drawn to the sport and which I came to sort of in my later on in my life. Um, and I had always wanted to do, but never knew of an entrance piece with it. So I would go down to Ocean Beach and watch all the guys go surf. Um, and during that time, there were several girls, but there wasn't a lot of girls up in, the, in San Francisco. And um, there were some in Santa Cruz. Um, and so finally, a friend of mine said, why don't you just go to a surf camp? And there's an all-girl surf camp that was founded by Bev Sanders. And she also founded Avalanche Snowboards. She was the first woman to have a snowboarding company. Um, and I was very kind of apprehensive of going to an all girls surf camp. Mm -hmm. uh, and my friends teased me quite a bit about it, about wearing like pink rash guards and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but I kind of got over myself and I went and um, the surf divas from San Diego were there as the instructors. And Izzy, um, the founder of Surf Diva, pushed me into my first wave. And you, I think everybody sort of remembers that first, that first drop in, right? Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, like something radically changed. And it wasn't just about surfing but something in me kind of changed the synchronicity of all of it is that there was multiple things that were happening in my life at that one moment where i got pushed into the into that first wave i had been in the tech industry and had my own computer consulting firm i was certified by apple as a, a consultant in san francisco and i kind of was somewhat bored with it Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do something different. Um, and I didn't realize that what, it, what, what that really was going to mean was actually going surfing and actually forming with a girl. So after I took that first wave, um, I was sitting on the beach and I had a trademark called With It. Um, and I was started to think about the girl landscape, um, especially the landscape that I grew up with. And... I felt that girls were either jocks or babes. Mm -hmm. You know, we were categorized in these two polarizing um, categories. And I said, there's something wrong with that because um, 
girls are multidimensional and so are guys too as well. Um, but specifically in the action sports. Um, and I was like, you know, they're kind of like with it girls, you know, they are <laughs> writers and surfers and musician and skateboarders and nurses and they're younger and they're older. Um, and Bev and um, Izzy were there on the beach. Mm -hmm. And when I said with a girl, their eyes just like blew up. <laughs> and I, and they said, gosh, if you decide to do this, we'll help you. And so that's where it was born was right there was this. And the other part that I felt was that 99% of the girls were trying to be like that 1%. They were, you know, getting too skinny or they were buying the clothes to look like that. And I really felt that girls deserved this individual sense of themselves. When I first encountered the With It Girl label, I just felt so affirmed by it because I also experienced, like I think a lot of women in action sports do, and a lot of women who just are kind of doing their own thing. Like, um, I didn't feel like I fit into a category because I was like, kind of like, well, I don't feel super masculine. Like With It Girl just kind of provides a space for women to like take back the narrative and just be who they are just like be themselves you know and I feel like the term with it really like yeah encapsulates that yeah and there's a, a nice really sort of spirit of youth not that to be young but that we get reminded of that and when we touch base with that it really like opens up and takes down barriers for you to experience things that maybe may be categorized for other people or for other generations or for other age groups, right? For sure. Uh, so, and it's, a, it's an endearment in a certain sense. Mm -hmm. So when I, um, so I went home and I raised a little bit of money. I actually sold with it the trademark for a little bit of cash and that was like my startup money. And then um, I went and found Corey Peapon who had been working in the arts. Um, and together we began sort of mapping out what With a Girl would look like um, and really combining action sports with active lifestyles, art, you know, culture and many um, different things. And our first entrance was really like skate and serve, but we really, but we wanted to expand all of that. Um, and so we spent about a year and a half going to competitions with stickers and we would just bring our chairs with With It Girl in the back and we would meet different girls and even guys that, you know, that supported, but we just really observed. Yeah. Um, and, and then from there, we started designing the full portal which took us quite a while to do. And we started um, hiring writers and, um, and we collected all these stories. And then November 19th of 1999, we launched the platform, fully functional. So, and then, you know, it went from there. That's awesome. <laughs> so before With It Girl, um, do you just want to talk a little bit about your childhood? Um, just so we get like an understanding of like what your youth was like and what, where you grew up. 
Yeah. So, you know, when a lot of people meet me, yeah, I think they don't know that I, I grew up, I was born in Rome in Italy mm-hmm. to an American mother and Italian father and his family um, had been in Latin America since the 1940s. And they were very bohemian. They were also car racers wow. and motorcycle racers. <laughs> um, so I ended up being raised in Caracas, Venezuela, and I went to an American school. Um, and my mother, who, who um, it's very interesting that she had children because she was very much of a feminist. And she realized very quickly that if we were raised always in South America, we would get married at a very young age. And she didn't want that to happen to her, to the girls. I, I have a sister and a younger brother. So she really advocated for us to be, um, to be educated in the United States. And so she sought out support from her mother who lived in, in the States. And so the, us girls and my brother ended up being educated up here in the States, which was a really big blessing because um, we would have been married probably. My cousins all got married by the time they were about 17. Um, and had their first kids by the time they were 18, 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, and also the political situation got very complicated down there and, and has been for a long, long time. And it also was a very dangerous place to grow up. One of the fortunate things is that our family, because they were so bohemian, uh, they used to take us to places um, that were very deserted. And so we kind of had this Robinson Crusoe sort of kind of upbringing where we were in water, there was wild turtles coming up and it sounds very exotic, but South America was very much like that um, when I was growing up. And so I had a really deep connection to ecology and to the environment. And then I had this very feminist sort of very determined mother, you know, um, unfortunately, she never finished um, college, um, and so she really insisted for us to have a higher education. Wow. Mm-hmm. And um, so I came to the States when, I mean, by the time I was 15, 16, and then I went to school outside of New York City to an all-girls school. Um, which I didn't, I did not like, but, um, but I now looking back, I'm like, wow, that was an amazing education. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I didn't do very well in school, Maya. I had a lot of trouble writing, reading, you know, I think I probably had, you know, deficit disorder, dyslexia and many things. And um, so it was very difficult for me. I was very creative. Um, but I played also competitive tennis and then, um, and then I lost my tennis (laughs) due to, an accident and my life kind of changed again very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and I ended up then applying, I went to school in Florida because the East coast was so cold. And then I had the opportunity to do a, a year abroad in France. I went to the American college in Paris. Um, and then I came home, uh, my parents were separating, mother was coming back to the States um, and actually moving to San Francisco. And um, I came, I graduated really quickly. And then I ended up like finding my, 
my way out to the West Coast, um, where I landed in San Francisco. Um, um, so much for sharing your story with us. Um, I'm so happy to hear your perspective and like get to know you better. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, take a break and listen to Addis by OM. <laughs> vibrations in that song like I feel like just like when you hear like western music I'm just like not used to listening to it but I'm really happy that I did because it was just so new and it relaxed me so much um oh, thank you you know that's a very special band to me because it comes out of the heavy metal and um they're trained as classical musicians um so which a lot of people don't know and so they have a different way of presenting the music. Um, so it's very, very interesting music. Mm -hmm. And then the, the mantra is a, man, is a mantra um, to fend off early death, you know, for good health. Um, and so I kind of picked it a little bit with the intention to set for our interview in that youthfulness, right? For that with it girl spirit. So almost like giving it a blessing to our little, to our conversation. Oh, thank you for that. Mm -hmm. So as you know, this podcast explores crushes as mirrors. Um, can you think of someone in your life or something in your life that helped you see yourself more and discover more about who you are? I really love this question and I'm so glad that you sent it to me early to give myself some time to think about it mm -hmm. uh, and to think about it very broadly. Um, I've, I've had the opportunity of having some really wonderful mentors in my life who have gone on many journeys with me. Mm -hmm. um, and one of them being uh, Dr. Denny, um, who actually also got it, he was a trauma surgeon and um, when he finished his career as a surgeon, he went back to get his PhD in depth psychology, um, where I got my PhD. Um, and so he began, he's the one that encouraged me to get my master's and PhD. Um, and to have this kind of radical paradigm change about, you know, the world, myself, 
and um, my purpose. Um, but, and, and he was very wonderful, but I have to say that when I look deeper into um, the people and things, I would sometimes have to say that it's actually the people that were the unkind, unkindness that weren't as kind, you know, or created more of a ruckus in my life, um, or who cut me out, or I wasn't included, or, you know, um, that actually really allowed me to see more of myself. I just want to say that I completely understand where you're coming from, and I really relate to that. I think sometimes this year, in order for me to, like, I first had to, like, be treated poorly by other people to kind of like come to like this moment of growth and realization, like, wait, like I need to actually continue to value myself, like regardless of these other people. It's like, you first need to know like what isn't the answer. First need to make mistakes to arrive at that growing. Resolution. Yeah, I really relate to that and, um... You know, I've been on the fence about talking about bullying and talking about girl culture and sometimes also not being very kind, you know, because that is the elephant in the room. Um, but it's been a really um, unbelievable teacher. Um, and it's asked me to really find the tools, right, to not project the hurt or anger I might feel out onto somebody else or onto the world. Um, and that's a very meditative exercise. Um, and it's not just about, I think for me, just being positive or et cetera. It's about creating a different kind of depth within yourself and becoming safe for yourself. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of see it like, Similarly, actually, because I sort of feel like it's not it's not about positivity. It's just about like being grounded in my center and who I am. And like the world is going to always happen around me. And like I just need to like look inside myself for reassurance and like realize and like ask myself like like do if I do this, like, do I lose me or do I choose me? Um, like, con like to sort of just like remain grounded and not let what's happening around me affect me. And then also just like going off of that, it's kind of this idea like of like not being reactive and just like always putting out kindness and always putting out like like um moving with intention and putting out those vibrations like into the world um i think is like really powerful like that's right. important yeah and i think that that's not a very easy thing to do and it's a very messy thing and it does fall on the individual that maybe has been left out etc to have to transform you know so that's the gift, you know, um, in a certain sense. Um, and it's a life process, you know, um, especially in our culture that has very uh, curious 
um, value systems, mm -hmm. you know, um, that we internalize. And sometimes we don't even know that we've internalized them that deeply. And they're very effective at keeping people sort of oppressed or colonized or, you know, um, so that has been the lesson, you know, is the unkindness of others has been the teacher of really finding who I really am and who I really want to be. Wow. And it is the spirit of with a girl because I felt very excluded um, in my life, you know, um, and that's why I created <laughs> an organization that wants to be inclusive, you know, so that's how I reconcile some of that hurt in a certain sense. Yeah, I think it's creative people are able to put that hurt and like that feeling of exclusion into their work. And I think like oftentimes, like for me, like I express myself through writing a lot. And like, it's like, that's that, those lessons of like hurt and like feeling like lonely and excluded, like that drives passion. And I can like, I feel like that generates creativity. Um, I really see what you're saying there. Yeah, and if you come out on the other side, you're one, you know, you're a fortunate one because, you know, the other side can be very devastating, you know? And so, um, you know, so I encourage, <laughs> I encourage people that there is hope in a sense, you know, of a transformation and it's you. You um, <laughs> picked out this song, Shark Smile by Big Thief. And um, I just want to say that I, I love this song. I really connect with it. There's always been something about it to me that's like really beautiful and devastating at the same time. Um, and it's actually one of my favorite. You um, sent me that press release by Adrian Lenker. And she wrote that the song, um, in the song, she recalls her lover leading up to the moment of the wreck, a car wreck, wishing she'd been. I'm gonna play the song and then maybe we can talk a little bit about your thoughts on um, her statement. smile in a yellow van. She came around and I stole a glance in my youth. A vampire, ill and strong, quiet as roses stain. Came over me at a bedtime, but who would ride on a moonlit line? Later in my eye, if I down the road with a dead end blame. And she said, Ooh. Take it while And the money pie On the 
talk a little bit about uh, your impression of the song and what it means to you? Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> that is such a beautiful song and I love the pop, you know, part of the song and how it moves you through this very kind of tragic mm -hmm. uh, narrative. Um, I mean, it personally touches me because I, you know, have had a, a lover die and, um, you know, and you, and you're left behind in a certain sense, you know, with the mess um, and the confusion and everything else. And, you know, um, but I also had, you know, my mother pass away 10 years ago, just as I was starting my PhD, you know, and um, it's like, sometimes I would drive and say like, take me, you know, take me instead, you know, which is an act of love. Um, but, you remain and it's what you do with staying that is so important um and my grandfather once said to me when i went to say goodbye to him before he passed away because i was very fearful of, of him dying he's you know he said i never die if you don't if you yeah i only die if you forget about me so i actually live larger and um when you remember about me and so I want to add just um, hours before my mother passed away and she was really worried of leaving me behind. <laughs> I told her that when she passed from her physical body into her spiritual body, that I would see her in everything. I would see her in the colors of the sky, in the voices of my friends and in the rainbows that she would paint in the sky. So on my way to my session down at Pacifica for school, it had been raining and the sun was coming out and there was all these rainbows going down one on one. And so I love the poetry of this, of, of that song, you know, even 
and the way that it carries you through this very devastating moment. Yeah, I like felt really touched by what you said. Um, I'm actually tearing up a little bit. I, know. I like, I have like really intense separation anxiety. Um, and like, it's something that I struggle with. And like, it makes me so nervous, like, all the time that like, the people that like, I give myself to are gonna like, leave me. Um, and so I think like, that's why I really connect to that song. Um, so it's really like nice to hear that you also connect with it. Um, that's really good to hear. Oh, thank you. Well, I think, you know, we were talking about being left out, right? Um, and then people leaving. And so when you leap with love or there's love involved, it has a different way that it goes through your body. Mm -hmm. um, but when you get cut out or you get, you know, it, it leaves these really jagged edges that are hard to smooth with tears, you know? And so I guess that's kind of the, what I would pass on is like the journey of grief through love is very different than the journey through being left out or canceled out or, you know, excluded, you know? I, I like that idea of, it's sort of like my intention with this podcast is like, in my life, like I've always felt like crushes have been this really negative thing. And I've felt really embarrassed because I have strong feelings for people and I'm afraid of being left by them. And I have, and I like get, I can get really emotionally involved with the people that I care about, um, as a lot of people do. But I think like my intention with this podcast is to like move like move through crushes with love you know and and like appreciate um the the fun in them and like what they teach you uh, about um yeah i love that in fact you know when uh, a older sister sort of woman um in my life um when i was having a lot of problems with some of my female friends where there was a really you know a couple of them that were bullying and she said to me, try to see the woman or girl inside of her that is also inside of you. Even don't look at her behavior, just try to relate to that, even if she can't do that with you, because that will soften your decision-making, you know, so that you don't strike. Um, yes, yeah, so like, you know, easy, easy said, <laughs> sometimes very hard to do. <laughs> Moving through the world with empathy, um, I think is really important. But like you said, I think it can also be really challenging um, to do that because sometimes it feels like being empathetic is like at odds with who you are. Um, so I, yeah. yeah, I would say, yeah. I mean, I've had to learn terms about empathy. I used to think that it was, you know, just being kind, a little bit passive, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I've learned that, you know, empathy is a pretty powerful act of love, you know? And sometimes it means doing nothing, you know? Um, and it means just staying quiet. So, and so that you find a, a, a broader solution or a broader dialogue so that you can get really calm, 
you know, even when someone is attacking you or even when someone is embarrassed to apologize and may never apologize, your depth of empathy would be that you understand that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty cool stuff, huh? <laughs> it can be really hard, I think, um, for me to sit back and not do anything because I have a tendency to always like want to control my surroundings and to make things happy and make things perfect. But I think like this year I've had to learn that like I need to be, I need to learn to manage and like be at peace with not everything being okay and not being in control of everything that's going around me. I think surfing teaches you a lot about that, you know, because sometimes the water has a lot of chaos, you know, and you need to get really calm to stay safe. And it's not just, surfing's not about getting the wave. It's, it's more than that, Absolutely. you know? Yeah, um, I fully agree. I think like the ocean is such a powerful teacher um, like it's really volatile and moody, you know, and I think like it reflects, yeah, it reflects like the actions of people, it reflects the world. And I think like surfing has taught me resilience and it's like taught me that I can be strong in the face of like a physical, a physical challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, like strength and softness together because to be able to be in a state of grace on the wave. You have to be kind of strong, but you have to be very loose and intuitive. So, um, yeah. it's <laughs> that's what's really cool about it. Mm -hmm. um, okay, uh, let's take a little bit of a break and listen to Evaporate by specifically because it really represents you know my kind of liquid disposition you know it's like how I kind of feel a little bit when I'm surfing and you know I spent 20 years really chasing <laughs> that wave um, and I haven't actually been surfing almost for a year now um, which is very strange <laughs> um, but there's kind of like this internal music that happens um, when you, when I, at least I approach the ocean. Um, 
And I didn't have it in the very beginning. I had a lot of like noise, like cultural noise in my head. Mm -hmm. um, and I usually call it like coming from the cemented landscapes, you know? And so crossing that barrier on the sort of fleeting shoreline into this kind of liquid container um, began like washing through my system, you know? Um, and it was almost like a prayer, you know? It was like, it was truly a prayer to like remove a lot of stuff from my life, which it ended up doing. It almost removed way too much. <laughs> um, and the music for me kind of represents this first initial struggle when you start surfing, where your body has to get in tone and it has to tone up its muscles and stuff like it's paddling hands and all of its, you know, antennas out there. And so you spend a lot of time within that struggle. Um, and then you kind of get kind of good at it. You start catching waves, right? Um, and then there's this kind of audience piece that presents itself where it's like, look at me, look, I can surf now. Um, oh, do I have the right board? Do I have the right wetsuit? Do I look good? You know, how many tricks can I do on the wave? And, you, you know, you, there's, there's a lot of time spent negotiating that. How much time do I get to go to be outside? You know, how many waves did I get? And some people do kind of stay in that area, you know, of surfing. Um, but then there's this other kind of piece of chaos that comes in where it's like you get, you get, to, you get this other intelligent information from the water and from the wave. Um, and it becomes kind of magical for you. Um, and that's where like I saw a glimpse of that and I wanted, that's what I wanted. I wanted that state of grace. And it was no longer about me, but it was all about the wave and all about the energy of that wave. Um, and just what all I had to do was put myself into that particular space and then let the wave do the rest. Um, so that's when I started writing displacement boards because it wasn't about doing tricks. It really was about creating this like balance between myself my ego, my spirit, the wave, the water, and all those things. Wow. Um, and so that music kind of does represent that sort of transformative piece and that sort of liquid music inside of me. The um, really quick transition um, from like the first chunk of the song and then it like transitions into the like more like chaotic part, um, which was cool. And have you, is, is there a moment where you like applied the message that you learned from surfing and like creating the balance between like your energy and the waves energy um, to your life and other, other interactions you've had? You know, that's a really, really good question. And I feel like you're actually witnessing that transformation of all that knowledge right now. Mm -hmm. I think that there was whispers of it, you know, going with the flow, you know, um, staying safe, you know, having enough energy to take away, but also get home. But I think, and then going to get my PhD, right? And studying 
power dynamics and water. But I think that with COVID and everything else, it's almost like the whole kind of liquid bubble has kind of finally all kind of compressed and come together mm -hmm. for me. Um, of all, like I see water as a piece of intelligence that we carry inside, that it allows us to, to speak, you know, because our mouth is wet, allows us to see, allows us to hear, you know, it flows through everything. Um, it also um, allows us to create peace between one another, you know, so um, especially where there's boundaries of water, you know, um, and so that's where my, I think, transformation of surfing, being in water has really all come together, you know, I think. But I think now that I'm thinking about it as we're talking and I'm warming up a little bit, but I think it also has given me a deeper um, love and essence for ecology and um, ecofeminism. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's happening in general to people too as well during this time, but maybe I shouldn't say general. But I think that surfing does kind of make you really aware. I like feel like I don't know how I would have been able to do this past year without surfing. Um, like I I've I'm I'm surfing now like more than I ever have in my entire life. I surfed the entire summer almost exclusively because there was nothing really else for me to do and I surf three or four times a week now that I'm in LA and I've never felt like more um, like at peace with my choices and like uh, because surfing is just this to me it's like this reminder of just how beautiful the earth is and whenever I surf I just think this is all I need like it's going to be okay because I have this and I love doing this and I, I love the ocean and the ocean is always going to be there. It's just this grounding factor in my life. Um, and it's also been a really big teacher for me too. And has helped me like physically be resilient in a time where I've had to be mentally resilient um, during the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, I totally um, can relate to that, you know, and I think around in my, uh, where I live, you know, it got really crowded. Um, yeah. So I kind of have stepped off of kind of the physical liquid space into like a mental liquid space. Um, and I feel very fortunate that I had those 20 years, you know. Um, there is a lot of grief in not surfing right now <laughs> in that way. Um, and I hope, you know, I will see you. Hopefully I'll be back in the water at some point. Um, but it is an amazing teacher. And I hope that people who don't have access to surf can also begin to experience that. I know there's been a lot of criticism around like wave camps or, you know, these, but gosh, you know, if people can experience this transformation, you know, and everybody should be able to access it. Yeah. And actually the limitation of access to 
water or to clean spaces is becoming less and less, you know, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, um, let's hear this next song um, by Grimes. Oh, right. <laughs> Get into it. Um, this is vowels equal space and
like that line being myself makes me feel like I can't touch the ground because I, I, I feel like I can relate to it. Like the more that I honor who I am, the more free I feel and like the less weight is on the less weight I feel on my shoulders, like the less anxious I feel. Yeah, I agree with you. I love this song. I've always loved this song. I love her music. I am following her from the very beginning. And, you know, um, and I remember seeing some of the, her first videos and I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I had the self-esteem just to do that. <laughs> like, um, and it was so liberating to see, you know, yeah. um, and then the, the the mashup of all the different sounds that she takes and everything else. And um, I just, again, I just like the, it just shows possibility. And I think you put it really right that when you're yourself and your light is like, you're up, you know, your, your feet don't touch the ground, you know, there isn't as much, it's just, there's not as much holding you back and holding you down. So, mm-hmm. That's a really good like piece of advice and like a frame of mind, I think. Um, but like related to advice, is there anything you feel like you haven't said that you would at this moment in your life where you feel like um, the lessons and balance that you've learned from water has come together the most? Um, having gone through all of these experiences that you've talked about during your, this podcast, is there any advice that you would give yourself um, earlier on your journey um, now that you've already gone through it? Yeah, you know, I've, I've been thinking a lot about that question. And that's a question I think, you know, that I've seen come up even in the interviews at With It Girl, right? Um, <laughs> You know, it's almost like I want that advice even for myself right now. <laughs> um, I would truly tell like little Molly, right? You know, I would really say it might not be easy, right? But be really kind to yourself, you know? And don't give your power um, to other people just because you think that they're better or they're cooler or anything else, you know? Um, and that what you're doing is just fine, you know? And to surround yourself with um, always good people, forgive yourself, you know, sooner than later, you know? And the other thing that I, that I would say is um, don't let people get in the way of pursuing your dreams you know, and that, especially if you're a creative person um, or you're a visionary person, that the journey is lonely, you know, um, and you'll be okay with that. You'll be okay with that. Mm -hmm. So, um, especially for women, you know, I think um, their self-esteem can be very wrapped up in lo looking good, I think sometimes for other women, which I think is very silly, um, but I got also caught up in that too as well. So um, again, like Grime says, you know, it's like be yourself and you can be really light, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I also really wanna hone in on what you said about surrounding yourself with people who like 
people who um, allow you to be yourself, you know, and not letting people who make you feel lesser and excluded and not yourself, like not letting them affect you, but also like choosing instead to be around people who light you up and lift you, I think can be really powerful. Yeah, and especially, I mean, I also surround myself with people who really challenge me, you know, they're not just giving me what I want to hear. Oh, you're great, or that's positive or whatever. They really do challenge me and, and they're there for the ride. You know, I have friends that, um, you know, I've known for 40 years, you know, um, and unfortunately, the culture today doesn't support things like that. You know, it's either you're in or you're out, you know, or you're liked or you're not, you know. So if it gets messy, they don't want to have anything to do with you. Or if it doesn't fit into the agenda, you know. And so I think that's a tough culture to navigate. Yeah, I really agree. I think like friendships are super nuanced and like romantic relationships are also super nuanced too. And I just like you said, I, I feel really like grossed out by like, um, the trend right now in our culture, that's like cancel culture, just like cutting people off immediately for doing one wrong thing. Um, because I just, I don't have it in, in me to do that. I, um, I feel lighter and I feel like it benefits me more in the long run. Um, if I can just, understand have empathy understand where the other person's coming from and forgive them and move forward and like things are rocky sometimes you disagree with people you share um really different beliefs but that doesn't mean that they don't serve you a purpose that you can't learn from them that you don't have to have a relationship with them anymore yeah like bring that critical dialogue in and create spaces where people can make mistakes so that they can also learn you know um, the water teaches that you have to make lots of mistakes before you can get kind of a little bit of it right. So uh, return to go surf, like even though surfing is really frustrating sometimes, like I always keep going back to it and back to it because I know that like that's serving me a purpose in the long run. Um, and I think you can like apply that to people and you can apply that to activist movements, like calling people into the conversation instead of shutting them out, like. Right, yeah, I mean, the moment you point the finger at someone and tell them it's their fault, they're gonna shut down. So you wanna really try to create something that opens dialogue and that both pe both parties are, are able to grow from the experience. And that kind of um, reminds me of um, the phrase, um, that's from the song Kali Yuga Blues by Bardo Pond that we're gonna um, play next because um, you mentioned that Kali Yuga leads to the destruction of the world and then the creation of a new cycle. Yeah. So I feel like there needs to be destruction and conflict sometimes, but the step forward is not to just give up and shut people out um, in reacting to that, it's to then call them in and create a new cycle. So yeah, and you're all welcome. Exactly. And you're all part of it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's really cool. Um, so why don't we hear Kali Yuga Blues by Bardo <laughs> Yeah. 
it's very heavy metal but uh, this band is really amazing and i know i think they're maybe they might even be living in la um a very complex band very full of you know they challenge you in many different ways with beautiful beautiful music we're, we're bringing in um a couple new songs that i feel like have challenged me musically because i feel like um, yeah, you know, I think uh, one of the things that hasn't been said is that, you know, and, and it relates a lot to Wicked Girl and a lot of the stuff that, you know, Asha and I have been doing and you and the rest of the girls is, is really trying very hard not to curate, um, curate everything so tightly. And so that there's um, a lot of opportunity in the stories and also in the future of With It Girl to bring in multiple perspectives. And I feel that today so much is curated so tightly online, you know, and presents only one kind of image. And, um, and I just, you know, I have to even remind myself not to be curating everything all the time mm -hmm. and, to, and to, to allow more diversity in my life. I think that's really the beauty of a grassroots organization is that there's no authority figure um, limiting the expression that people are doing within the organization. Like with a girl is so multimedia and I feel like everyone really has a different voice and they get to like use that voice and express it. Um, so I think that's really awesome. Yeah. So, and you're making it, you know, then I was, I, I'm so grateful to Asha for coming to me and finding out that With a Girl existed and asking me if I would help her and all the girls maybe bring this back. And so 20 years later, here it is. And you and I are talking and Bikini Blonde was published. <laughs> um, so much for like providing a platform to for me to like express myself like I'm really grateful for that and I'm also like really grateful to have been like impacted also by your journey and like all of the really deep thinking that you've done about water and um the intentions that you have as you move through the world um I'm I've really been honored to have this conversation with you thank you so much radical kindness I love it <laughs> oh um, okay, Malls, thank you so yeah. much. Um, do you want to just let the UCLA radio listeners know where they can find you and um, reach out to you and read more about water or with the girl if they want to? Yes, absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn and, you know, please message me there. You can also message me through 
the with a girl instagram or the website and it will get to me i'm open to all conversations um so please reach out to me or reach out to maya and she'll connect us further but thank you very much um thank you guys for listening this is dj ditch bitch and you're listening to ucla radio yeah bye, bye. <laughs> go surf <laughs> <laughs>